Ever wanted to get up close and personal with Blood Red? Well, here's your chance. Blood Red is heading back out on the road next Wednesday, the 24th of November, to Dublin. As Paul Gorst and Josh Williams from Analyzing Anfield bring you a special live episode ahead of the Reds Champions League game with Porto. Tickets are available at bloodred.ie at €10 each. Do move quickly, though, as tickets are extremely limited. Follow the link in the description or head to bloodred.ie to join us out in Dublin at the Camden for Blood Red Live. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Well, Guy Clark here. Welcome along to Blood Red and the latest episode in the bottom line as we look at Liverpool from a financial perspective. Here to add the insight and expertise, we have our business of football writer Dave Powell as we'll be talking through FSG's latest purchase. No, it isn't a Gini Vinaldum replacement. Dave, thanks for joining us, though. And interesting developments regarding FSG in the, the last couple of days. Yeah, um, They've been looking for ever since March um, when Redbird Capital came on um, as 11% partners through that $750 million investment. They've been looking for other sporting properties. Um, they looked into esports. Um, they looked at European football, looked at the NBA. The NFL was always too cost prohibitive because of the, the valuations of the teams. They're all being, you know, pushing on. They're already have a massively high watermark. So they, they, they already expressed an interest in the NHL. Um, the Boston Red Sox president, Sam Kennedy, who's also a partner of FSG, he, he said it was a market they were looking into. And, and, and yeah, it looks like um, reports in the US uh, on Tuesday evening suggested it was close to sealing a deal for the Pittsburgh Penguins and led to believe that is correct, and it's it's something which is moving forward. Um, FSG or, or Redbird aren't going to comment publicly on that uh, until it's concluded. But it seems like it's a, um, a deal which is is, is going to go ahead, which would make the the Pittsburgh Penguins the fourth sporting team in the in the FSG empire. Um, and there's more to come. I, I, I'm led to believe in the future as well. So it's um, yeah, it's a big deal um, for FSG. The, the Penguins will become a um, a fairly substantial part of, of their empire, taking the whole value of the business to to, to probably pass the eight billion mark. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's another move, and, and it's been a year of um, of major moves really for FSG. Um, they've after the past decade or so has been focusing on um, business building, whether it be with the Red Sox or Liverpool, um, which has been evidenced through you know the revenues were 180 odd million when they took over in 2010 and now you know at, before the pandemic um they were they were they, they'd reached 533 so it was a huge rise there of 300 odd million so it's um the, the next phase and they've talked about it being sfsg 3.0 is uh it, is building the business and the empire really so and, and i think the penguins are, are going to be the next part of that but there's going to be uh, be more to follow yeah, first two questions kind of to, to come with. Uh, uh, who who are the Pittsburgh Penguins? For those who aren't aware, I have to say I'm, I'm one of those. And why? What what impact does this have for FSG? And uh, I, I mean, selfishly from the Liverpool perspective, what impact is this going to have on Liverpool? I'll answer the first question. They, um, they're, a, they're a kind of storied uh, ice hockey franchise in the States. They've... The, the the most glittering prize in ice hockey is the Stanley Cup, and they've won that twice in the past uh, five years. So um, it's kind of a similar 
backstory as opposed to um, what they had in Boston. So it's a you know, it's a it's a working class town with um, a real sense of identity, uh, where the team is a very important part of the community in Pittsburgh. I mean, they already have the Steelers, like in uh, like Boston do with the um, the Bruins and the the Celtics. Um, so it's it, it's a city which is passionate about sport. It's also um, the most followed. Uh, NHL side on on social media sites like Instagram, it has the eleventh highest value uh, highest valuation. So from FSG standpoint, um, the value comes in somewhere I'm led to believe around eight hundred and forty five million dollars. The business is valued at so that's about six hundred and thirty eight million um, pounds. But they are a business which has um, just like all NHL teams are coming into this um, on the back of having. Just secured record-breaking media rights, which is what underpins most of investment in, from U.S. investors into into sport. Is is the strength of the media rights, and they've just signed a, a multi-billion-dollar deal over the next seven years with, uh, well, a few months ago with with Turner Sports and um, and ESPN. So there's there's a lot of strength there and a lot of value and future growth which they can tap into. Um, they are a strong business already. Uh, they their annual um, revenues are, are, are higher than some of those of the teams above them who have higher values uh, valuations. So there's there's a lot there for them to work with. I think they'll see some similarity between what they've done at Boston. Um, from a Liverpool standpoint, I mean, everything comes back to how does this impact Liverpool? Um, ultimately, all Liverpool's, all FSG's business entities, the sporting entities, are supposed to operate within their own kind of ecosystem. They generate their own funds, they which then get funneled back into their own businesses. But um, the strength of um, the group allows, uh, and, and if, if more profits are coming throughout the group, it means that FSG are in a strong position to bring on board new capital for for, for various uh, projects, whether that's infrastructure um, related to, which you know we've seen it through um, the, the Anfield Road development, the main stand, all that. Um, while we may not see it initially, it's a it's kind of a, a drip fed effect which goes to helping revenues increase throughout the business so um so yeah it strengthens the uh, fsg's hand and um that in turn means they'll be able to generate more capital bring and, and, and spend more on that round of the business on infrastructure which should then in turn turns into money for the playing budget so um yeah it's kind of a a, a fairly long-winded way of going around that but it's that they're not you know we're not dealing with owners that are, are like man city or, or are just going to dip into the pocket this is a these are businesses these are billion pound businesses um that they have built up and they are they they invest you know they, they spend what they earn really the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo yeah it's kind of strength in numbers isn't it of, of having these organizations the more of them you have the more capital you're able to kind of attract and bring on board and obviously Jerry Cardinale has been a big part of that and I remember when we spoke I think it was Easter summertime of speculating over the fact that there were these moves being made as you said right at the top this isn't something kind of that's been been rushed into it's a calculated business decision that FSG have made and I kind of with the the Liverpool kind of swing in mind of thinking the impact for Liverpool. It's quite interesting and fascinating. I find kind of the way which FSG are building this sporting empire of clubs of effectively going for clubs of similar stature, similar kind of caliber of feeling what they can potentially get to of being 
market leaders, as opposed to, you mentioned Man City before, they've obviously got the City Football Group, which is all within the football, isn't it? But this approach yeah. of actually having kind of big teams within each kind of sporting entity that they uh, are within is quite an interesting model that FSG are going for. And it seems to be quite quite powerful too. Yeah, and they're all in markets with strong media rights, um, which helps because um, the one thing that while US investors love the lucrative nature of, of, of what the Premier League is, that's why they're so, um, you know, Liverpool has become their, their centrepiece. I know we talk about, um, often it's always mentioned about Boston being all, you know, where the focus lies. I mean, ultimately, Liverpool are the most valuable asset that they, they have. They're the most marketable football club in the Premier League. Um, according to the latest research, they are a business which has risen from when they purchased it to, from 300 million um, and days away from administration in 2010. They are, you know, a business which is worth 3 billion now. So um, that that kind of business growth is, is, is seen there. Obviously, people want to see money spent on the on, on pitch product, but there's a lot that goes into, I think FSG are trying to see what we're trying to plan for what the next 10 years looks like in, in, in sport, because that's going to, there's going to be a big change. I mean, the, um, the reliance on simply just things going up and up and up and, and, and revenues, et cetera. And, and it just it, it, things can't always go up and up. It's, um, there has to be a point of, you have to find value in other places. So they, the, the relationship with LeBron James is strengthened. They brought in Jerry Cardinal and, and Redbird Capital, um, because they're quite they, well, their expertise lies in monetizing that space around content, so media rights and and things like that. Um, they've got they, the, the analytical approach will, will kind of sweep through everything they do from Boston to Liverpool to to if they do take you know if the Penguins deal does does come off, then the same type of thing will be employed there. Um, but the LeBron James link up, they've brought you know, they've taken a slice of Spring Hill Entertainment, which is a kind of a. To, breaking new ground in that kind of content space and digital storytelling. And it sounds all, you know, like where, where's the value lie in this, but ultimately what the plan is to try and make Liverpool and the rest of their sporting entities, the, the biggest in the, in their field. Um, obviously a lot of some, a lot of that is predicated on the global size of the clubs anyway. So Liverpool already had a global appeal before that. Um, but also on winning, so you know they have there has to be an element of, of winning underpinning everything that happens, um, which in recent years it has to be fair. Um, so I think all these things are starting to make sense now. So you, you, the the strength of the relationship with LeBron, the Redbird capital move um, moves now into to, to kind of taking on the the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, and also don't be surprised to see um, an NBA team arrive uh, under the wing in the not too distant future. Um, I think that LeBron James eventually when he, 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 uh, hangs up his sneakers, um, will, uh, he's already expressed some kind of interest in the element of team ownership. Um, you wonder how, you know, whether that might be the perfect kind of, um, way into, to, to that kind of sphere for, for him. Um, I mean, being part of it, FSG now, he, he kind of gets to see how the, the sausage is made and, and everything, I suppose. He gets to see how it all comes together, how how it works running um, a major sporting empire um, because he's, he's, he's a business magnate himself now. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting moves going on. And, and while it's always not visible, maybe how, how all this links back to, to Liverpool, um, what it suggests to me is that the long-term plan for FSG very much involves Liverpool um, around all this because there seems to be a number of um, 
a number of things brought into play over the past 10 months or so, which kind of point to the long-term future being FSG, whether that's a succession plan for what comes next or or, or whether it's simply just, you know, that John Henry's intent on sticking around well into his 80s. I, I don't know, but I do think FSG um, in some way, shape or form here for the, for the long term. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, isn't it? Is a lot of people look at this and what is a six hundred and thirty-eight million pound deal that it is, six weeks away from the January transfer window opening, will think, oh, actually, you know, there might be a sh- bit short for cash if Jurgen Klopp does need a midfielder or a forward in the January transfer window. But it's a case of kind of the pots not getting mixed. And as you say, it is all really underpinned by the need for success. And if success is maybe gonna be at threat at all. That is where I suppose the central arm of, of FSG will then step in to support whichever sporting entity it is to ensure that they do maximise on-field success, which, as you say, underpins the, the need to be able to sell media rights and, and this, that and the other globalisation around the world of kind of making making their money back. Yeah, I mean, they, they, their ability to generate revenue through through kind of leverage and success of Liverpool has been huge. But um, the two things can't, you know, just because there's there's money kicking around to to, to buy a sporting empire, that's that doesn't mean it's it's money that they would just simply pump into Liverpool to buy players because it's the, 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 there are separate pots for for how they approach the business. Liverpool is a business in its own right, so um, it generates its own funds and the strength of their ability to invest is predicated on their ability to qualify for the Champions League or their player trading model. And um, this has been in situ for a long time now. It's not, you know, I, I don't see it change in any way, shape or form. I know it's not universally popular. Um, and I, I think last year in January exposed the flaws of thinking that, um, it, you know, you can simply make do and mend because um, while Nat Phillips and the likes did really well in, in pulling, helping Liverpool get dragged over the line, reality was that was, um, that was a misstep. That was a, a potentially catastrophic decision not to invest properly um, because they very nearly could have missed out on the Champions League. You know, you're relying on your goalkeeper scoring um, from a corner and uh, and players that hadn't were nowhere near the first team uh, at the start of the season coming in and, and playing their part. And you look at kind of the likes of Ozan Kabak now. I mean, he's in a team with like Norwich struggling at the bottom. So. I think that that was very much down to Klopp being able to drag his team over the line as opposed to um, vindication of any FSG methods um, in January. But they will know that they can't continue to not spend that. Whether, you know, the January window is always difficult because you are unable to attract the best players because clubs are reluctant to let go of them because they are in the middle of their own seasons. They're either fighting for honours. So if they're fighting for the Champions League, keeping a player that could get them in the Champions League is probably worth more to them than holding out to the end of the season for for a, a transfer fee from elsewhere. Um, also, the pool of players is just, I mean, players aren't necessarily, aren't usually that keen to move mid-season. Um, they've already got, especially if they've already got uh, success that they're chasing, whether it's internationally or domestically. So all that comes into play. Um, but the issue with Liverpool are going to have is, is how AFCON makes everything look. Um and it's going to, you know, and, and, and how that impacts the future. I mean, obviously, the feeling will be that if, if the salad deal gets done, that may feel like it's, it's a boost. But ultimately, they're going to be, be without him for a period of time anyway. Um, 
so yeah the the to to, to kind of go back to, to to the question i mean it's the the two things aren't intertwined really it's the, yeah. the the strength of liverpool's business is what props up their transfer spend the strength of the fsg on the whole allows them to invest in areas which and, and take on new properties because they are a business. I mean, I know I know it's very difficult as football fans to see footballs as businesses because we're emotionally attached to the to the, to the product. Um, but for business owners, and it's the same for anyone. I mean, I don't care whether it's um, FSG or whether it's the Glazers, whether it's PIF. Um, this isn't, you know, there's no uh, this, these businesses. These are, you know, they they are they all serve a purpose for for one reason or another. I dare say the different the purpose that. PIF have for Newcastle is very different from what FSG have for Liverpool, um, but um, the the thing remains the same that they can only spend what they they earn, and and with Premier League rules tightening and FFP regulations, as much as we don't like to think that they do anything, um, they are there, they exist. Um, it's uh, yeah, Liverpool can only spend what what the business earns itself. So, um, but. If, if they're able to invest in other areas and that in turn means they can bring on board fresh capital, like I mentioned earlier, and they can invest in uh, areas of infrastructure that ultimately aid Liverpool, um, such as Anfield Road, because that's going to push Liverpool's match day revenue close to the 100 million mark for the first time. Uh, and all that factors into being able to spend more in the transfer market. So um, there is a there is a link between all these things, but perhaps the the cash injection that, that, that some people would like to see into to go into buyer. Um, a striker or a midfielder um, that doesn't play out um, perhaps as they want it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It's more a secondary or tertiary kind of cash injection, isn't it? As you say, they pay for the Anfield Road development. That in turn boosts match day revenue. That in turn means maybe the wage bill can get higher and Mohamed Salah can get given a new contract, or maybe a few fin- fringe players are sold on, and that helps free up wages as well. And, and on that, obviously, we've not, we've not done a bottom line podcast for a few weeks now, but just wanted to, to kind of get your thoughts and kind of look back on the piece you wrote across the echo regarding Michael Edwards and the seismic shift in FSG. That's going to have, obviously, him moving on, Julian Ward taking on the rain, and just kind of the job that, that Michael Edwards has managed to do kind of when you look at the figures written down it's it's absolutely remarkable the the 27 players he's sold under his watch bring in just over 370 million pounds meaning the net spend through that time since the start of edwards tenure has been just shy of 161 million pounds and yet liverpool see themselves where they are it underpins the fact that fsg's business model is working yeah, and I'm, I think um, the the question remain uh, for a lot of people is how long it you know that continues to, to work. Obviously, there's other teams that work you know try and work around that model, um, but Liverpool have had great success. I mean, Michael Edwards has been spearheaded that. But I mean, you can't underestimate what having Jurgen Klopp as a, a manager does. does. Does the same success happen with um, with Brendan Rodgers or with someone else? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, but they, he, you know, his. His departure will be felt um, because he's done a, a lot of good work. But uh, you know some of the some of the deals that have been done. Have, have, I mean, the most the most transformational aspect of everything was because he took over um, from Ian Air in terms of taking on the, tra- the kind of negotiation of transfers. So holding the feet to the fire of Barcelona, knowing that they were willing to pay that money for Coutinho, ultimately was the biggest business they've done because it 
enable transformational signings like Alison Becker and Virgil van Dijk to come in. The two areas they needed to transform them from nearly men to, um, to achieving um, what everyone wanted them to. Um, but the, I'm, I'm sure it'd be a, a smooth transition between him and, and Julian Ward. Um, but it, the model will remain the same and ultimately Liverpool need to um, generate money and, and do their player trading model because the wages keep on going up. I mean, while, yes, the net spend has been the lowest among, you know, the top sides in the Premier League and um, the, you know, the transfer spend is, is limited. Um, wages have gone up and then they've paid handsomely. Uh, they also pay agents. They've also paid agents a lot more than their rivals as well. Um, so the money goes somewhere, you know, so it's, um, well, well um, while they may have paid less in the transfer market and fees, they've certainly paid more in wages uh, and, and to agents as well. Um, but that's not necessarily a, a bad thing because it's ultimately they've still spent less than their rivals. Um, but the difference being that they've um, they, they've worked smart and they um, the, the players they have they, they've managed to build a team around a core group that stayed with the team for a long time. And, and the challenge for Julian Ward moving forward now will be to carry on that work that Michael Edwards has done uh, and and find the next batch of, of players that can take on that mantle. Because I mean, we think we spoke in the past about. Salah's by the you know by the end of his next contract is going to be in his thirties. Van Dijk, um, Mane, Firmino, you know, so all these players. I mean, Jordan Henderson's going to be end of his next contract thirty five, I think. So all these all these players and it, these football is cyclical. So it's you know the, the, there has to be something following on and coming after what's been, um, and it's not like baseball whereby uh, or in American sports. Sometimes you find that if there's, you know, teams or, or team owners will um, take a hit on a season, they'll tank a season um, if it means a rebuild when it comes to the draft picks for the following season. So, uh, and that's like accepted in American sport almost. That there will be per- periods of highs and lows. Difficulty for FSG is that um, lows aren't expected now because the high watermark's been reached and that expectation kind of continues that you're there now, so you should be investing in staying there as opposed to investing in the next period of success that might come further on down the line. It's um, uh, it's finding that, that that fine balance between sustained and sustainable success, I mean, because the two things are very different. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to, to see, I'm sure, the feeling towards FSG when that January transfer window does open and we'll see what does happen, unless, of course, it's all underpinned itself with a shiny new contract for a certain Mohamed Salah. That's all we've got time for here, though, on this edition of The Bottom Line. Dave, thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Guy. Enjoyed that. Well, that's all we've time for. Until next time here on Blood Red, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.